I think I called you Barb, and I found out you like Barbara. So everyone, it's Barbara. Um, they uh, they get to be the president of Open Bible Churches, and and I don't know what that means to you or not. We're a church. We're an Open Bible Church. We're part of a bigger picture. Um, across the nation and across the world and uh, and it, sometimes it's nice to know that there's more out there like us right that it's not just us um, here in in Nebraska but there's more and so I, I'd love for them to come in just a minute and to share but um, we were we got had the privilege my wife and I to go out to dinner with them last night and, and it was just interesting to hear um, uh, he was uh, just talking about my grandpa and I was just realizing, man, my uh, uh, it's been it's been a while. My grandpa's in his 80s, but he was telling about when my grandpa was in his prime, and how my grandpa was such an encouragement to him as a as a young man in ministry. And I'm just like, man, that's just that's just super super cool. And he told me uh, a few weeks ago what, what was on his heart to share with us, and I think every single one of us are going to be blessed and challenged this morning. And so, uh, would you guys welcome President Randall and Barbara Bach? Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, church. Uh, it's great for us to be here today. You know, I was thinking this morning, Nebraskans and Iowans, especially those of us who live on uh, I-80, have something in common. If you tell them you're from Des Moines or you tell them that you're from Kearney, people say, oh, yeah, I drove through there once. <laughs> isn't, isn't that the truth? Yeah, I, yeah, I drove through there once. And uh, that's just the that's just our lot in life, I guess, when we live on I-80, and, and we're always on the way to someplace else. But I want you to know that Barbara and I drove to Kearney. <laughs> and actually, we have been in Kearney a few times. We always think this is a very attractive community. Uh, I think this is a great place. So we love being here with you. And uh, first time our opportunity to be in this sanctuary with you and delight in the good things that God is doing. We did have a good time last night with Pastor Jonathan and Becky, and uh, we love you guys. And uh, I just want to say to you some things I've come to appreciate about you. There is about you, I would describe it as a gentle resolve. Uh, the Lord's hand is upon you. Others recognize that hand is upon you. But you don't, you don't have to walk in your anointing in a way that you lord it over other people. There's a lot of that that goes on today in a lot of circles today. There is a humility about you. And there's a strength in that humility. And God, God has imbued you with that. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate that. I, I, there's something about that combination of gentleness but a resolve with it. Don't underestimate that. Okay? They know where they're going. By, by, by humble humility, they know where they're going because God's hand is upon them. So, Father, I just thank you for this precious couple, your anointing that's upon them, Lord. Oh, God, I pray that you will grant them the desires of their heart, Lord. Bless their family, oh, God, I pray. And I pray that you will just prosper this ministry, Spirit of Life Church, with fruitfulness for your kingdom, oh, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Love you guys. And the rest of the crew, too. Bo, love you. And Linda. And good to see them. Kelly and, and, and the old folks' masts. Good to see you as well. I'm glad you clarified that, that your grandpa was an encouragement to me when I was young. That's, uh... First I thought, well, we're not exactly peers, but yes, I, I was very young then. And you're... 
your grandpa was a real encouragement to me, and that's so true. Quality, quality people. I want to thank you for your involvement in the Open Bible Churches. You are a part of a family of churches. Today, Open Bible Churches are meeting in over 46 countries around the world. It may not be right now because of time zones, but meeting in 46 countries, sometimes it's in a church facility like this, sometimes it's meeting under a tree, depending on what part of the world it is. Uh, so thankful for what God is doing, and you helped to make that possible. Of course, um, your, your prayer support, your giving support makes it possible for us to keep pushing out into new arenas. I'm thinking of Cambodia. I'm thinking of where we have a children's uh, school now and a feeding program and fresh water that they never had before, uh, where people come from miles and miles around just to have fresh water because we have the one well there, and we also share with them living water at the same time. Of children to come and get a meal, have, have school clothes, and they're just so proud to be in their school clothes. And you see the pictures of the little kids, and it just melts your heart to know that we're having a part in that with Mike and Dara Rasavan, uh, working there and, and uh, the mocks who are serving there just delighted in what God is doing but there are many other non-traditional ways we think of, of people who go who are missionaries but there are many people from our churches going as missionaries in many ways uh, we have people who go to our uh, school uh, to our short-term missions base Puente de Amistad in Tijuana, Mexico we have teams going there year-round who are going and ministering to kids in orphanages, who are helping to build homes for people who have no homes, who live under tarps. That's basically where they live. And when you are there and you're able to see that it's a kit, like a prefab kit, they put that house together in a week, that whole team, and at the end of that time, dedicate that and give the keys to those folks. I'm telling you, it's like they walk into the Taj Mahal. And the sense of gratification that God allowed you to have some part of that is just incomparable. We have short-term ministry bases like the School of uh, Global Leadership. Somebody named Lombard there who, who runs that school. Of course, Mike and Pam Lombard who run that school. Great opportunity. We have men just in a couple of weeks. Several men from churches all across the United States are going to be going to Trinidad to build a church. Every year, this team goes, whether it's Papua New Guinea, uh, whether it's Africa, or whether it's Trinidad this coming year, teams of men, and some of them would not miss it. They're veterans and go every year because they've discovered, I may not be a preacher, but I know how to minister with my hands. And they're skilled, and some of them maybe not as skilled, but they know how to carry blocks, you know. And, and God uses that whole team to make a difference. So you have a part in your giving and your prayer support for all of those ministries, and want to thank you so much. So I bring you greetings on behalf of all of Open Bible Churches, and I really do have something I want to share that's been on my heart for some time. There are times God sort of, he sort of implants in me or infuses in me certain imperatives, almost like themes that I can't walk away from until he says it's okay. And the one that's just been in my heart and just stays alive in my heart is the matter of the call of God. You all heard about the call of God. You know, what is the call of God? Well, I, I like to look upon the call of God as this way. And it's looking like this right now. Is that still plugged in up there, my brother? Oh, hi there. Okay. I look at Mark uh, chapter 1. Luke's version of this also says, 
Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Luke's version would say that when Jesus performed that miracle for them of providing all these fish when there were none, and Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll go with me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And the word says they left everything and followed him. Mark Twain, hardly considered a theologian, Mark Twain said this, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. Why are you and I here? Surely it's for more purposes than just consuming the air and the water and the food. Just going through a life like some people live what I call the salmon philosophy of life where you know, like the salmon, they wiggle their way upstream, have spawn, spawn there, uh, have their, lay the eggs for the young, and then they die. And the next generation comes up and does that. Is that what life consists of? Is that the extent of it? Just, just have the little ones and die? Have the little ones and die? Is there anything more, perhaps, that God might also have for us in life? And that's what Mark Twain said. When you begin to realize why God put you here. Now, there are different kinds of callings. There's one calling that God places upon all of us. He calls us to it, and that is that we would become believers, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we accept his call to embrace him, his salvation, his forgiveness of our sins, and to become who he wants us to be as his servants. How many of you have accepted the first call of God upon your life? Amen. Amen. We rejoice in that. So you have been called. I'm here to attest today. You've all been called. And if you've accepted that call, you're walking in obedience to that. Jesus said, you didn't chose me. You didn't choose me, rather. I chose you. Which means to me, it's, he's saying, I knew you first, guy. I knew you first, lady. I loved you enough to call you. Now, come on. Will you embrace the call that I've placed upon you? But there's another kind of call. There is is this call of God that is something beyond becoming a follower and a disciple of Jesus. It's not to be confused with a career which is a volitional choice that we make. Um, And it may provide an opportunity to serve the Lord. it's, It's something that's beyond a career choice. It's saying, first of all, Lord, I put you first in my life. And everything else is subordinate to that. All of my decisions, all of my understanding about who I am, everything is subordinate to who you are and who you are in my life. Let's look at what the Apostle Paul said. He described it himself a little bit when he said this. He's writing to the Colossians and he said, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God. Now catch that. Chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And then he wrote again, all of this in the same chapter. I think he wants to get a message across, okay? He said in verse 23, the good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. And then he said also, in Colossians 1.25, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. Again, he's saying, proclaim his entire message to you. So I've been chosen by the will of God. I've been appointed as God's servant, 
And he's given me the responsibility of serving his church. So sometimes the call of God can involve a paid responsibility. I want to clarify something here. Sometimes we tend to think the call of God, well, sure, that's pastor. He's got a rev in front of his name. That's, that's Bo. He has, he has a rev in front of his name. It's just the people who have this rev in front of their name or they get a paycheck to do something that those are the only people called. I'm going to hear, suggest to you here today, it's much deeper than that and broader than that, the call of God. I'd love to hear some of your stories because some of you are walking right now in the call of God and you may not even realize it. Because you're obediently pursuing him to, be, to allow him to be everything he would be in your life. Some of you may know the specifics of God's call upon your life. Some of you are in transition. Some of you are saying, God, I feel this something inside me. I'm supposed to be doing something else for you and I don't know what it is right now. That's an honest position, okay? Don't fake it. Just say, Lord, I don't know. Guide me. I'll follow you. Show me how you want me to serve you. Okay, so let's talk about what is the call of God. I define the call of God this way, if I can make this thing work. Here we go. I define it this way. When God is at the center instead of the periphery of who you are, who you serve, your understanding of purpose, what you value, what you do with your life, and the nature of your relationships. When you realize and accept a call all aspects of life are aligned in meaning and complementary focus. And your mission is no longer about you, but entirely about him. That's how I describe or define the call of God. Other people have put it another way. I'm, I'm, I'm analytical by nature, but I realize that everything I know cannot just be figured out here in my brain. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't always compute here. God is bigger than what my brain can comprehend. And so God, God does things and he says things and leads in, a ways, in ways that are not quantifiable exactly to me. That's why I like what Reggie McNeil has said. Let's go ahead and advance that for me if I'm having trouble with it. I'll, I'll tell you to go ahead and do it. Hit that next slide for you. Just that arrow button, the next arrow button to the right. Here we go. Reggie McNeil's put it this way. The call is a mystery. It begins and ends with God, but it loops through a very human individual. It's personal, but bigger than the person. The call comes out of who we are as well as shaping who we are. It has both being and doing components. Those who describe themselves as called mean that they have made a commitment of life into God's service to be at his disposal, to be in his employ for the efforts of accomplishing his agenda. Are we getting a little bit better picture of what the call of God means? One more. The call of God can totally defy understanding. And great classic, my utmost for his highest, Oswald Chambers, said it this way, the call of God can never be understood absolutely or explained externally. It is a call that can only be perceived and understood internally by our true inner nature. The call of God is like the call of the sea. I, really, I wish I'd written this. This is good. The call of God is like the call of the sea. No one hears it except the person who has the nature of the sea in him. Oh, that's classic. What God calls us to 
cannot be definitely stated because our call is simply to be his friend to accomplish his own purposes. Our real test is in truly believing that God knows what he desires. The things that happen do not happen by chance. They happen entirely by the decree of God. God is sovereignly working out his own purposes in our lives. So those are some definitions of the call of God. Well, then how on earth do you ever find out what the call of God is upon your life? How do you, how do you discover that? Well, there are some different ways that I think become obvious that we can do. Let's advance that next slide. It's, it's part, oftentimes a part of a discovery or realization process. In the first case, sometimes it's instantaneous and miraculous. It's supernatural. Defies comprehension. I think about the Apostle Paul who was on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians and God slapped him down, put him in the groveling in the dirt. He heard, he heard the voice of Jesus. He saw the bright light that, that just blinded him. And at that point, Paul, this strong, man of, this strong man who had been persecuting Christians, found himself saying, what do you want me to do, Lord? Got his attention. And sometimes God works in that kind of divine dimension. I hear of testimonies that just blow me away. A testimony that could be like this. Somebody would say, you know, at 12 years of age, God spoke to me and told me I was open, going to open an orphanage in Uzbekistan. I mean, I've heard testimonies like that. And when I, when I hear someone like that, I have two responses. I say, wow, that is so fantastic. I rejoice with you. And that's also so disgusting. Why was it so easy like that for you? You know, because God doesn't always do that instantaneously. In fact, many times, more often I would say, it is what I call a progressive unveiling that can come through experiences, circumstances, scripture that God illuminates to you. It can come through mentors, pieces of all these, these pieces coming together to form the picture. It can come from the influence of counselors, teachers, your pastor. It can be words of knowledge, the Holy Spirit. It can be while you're in prayer, you begin to get this, this leading and understanding a little bit more of seeing what God is saying to you. It can come while you're just simply tarrying in his presence and the Holy Spirit is saying something to you, giving you some kind of impression, if not a direct word. It can come during the peaks of life and it can come during the valleys of life that sometimes it's when he meets you at those points to say now I want to speak to you there's something else I want you to do with your life it can come as a follower of Jesus when you're just steadfastly following him pursuing him pursuing his face you are a God chaser or it can come unbelievably enough as as an unbeliever Paul was Saul he didn't even know God. He hated the Christians. He was persecuting them. But God said, I got a job for you. God's means defy our comprehension because as far as you and I are concerned, Saul would not have been qualified. He would have had to jump through a lot more hoops, wouldn't he? I mean, we would have set up the hoops for him. We know how to do that. God shot right past all of that and called him to serve him. Sometimes it can come through an emotional witness. Now, you all know that you cannot live your life by your emotions. Is that right? I mean, if you live by your life by your emotions, the only question is, when will the next train wreck come? Because our emotions, if we just depend upon them exclusively, will betray us, of course. Emotions being what they are. But how many know emotions are a gift from God, too? Uh, they're not there by accident. God gave us those emotions. And there's something so sweet and so wonderful 
when the Holy Spirit strokes the emotions of your heart and you know that you know it's him speaking to you. I feel sorry for someone at that point who doesn't have any emotions. Hallelujah. So, so part of that unveiling, that progressive kind of thing that God does, it can come through an emotional witness, but God also can give a witness through a cognitive awareness. If we read what Paul said in his letter to Romans, chapter 12, verse 2, he said, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Could it be any clearer than that? Which is good and pleasing and perfect. And sometimes I describe the call of God as just simply a compulsion. You can't explain it. It's a compulsion you're, you're driven from inside of the Holy Spirit is saying something to you. Again, Paul writing to, in the, to the Corinthians said, Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I did not preach the good news. I am compelled, like pushed from behind, to do this thing to serve him. All those are various means that God can use. He's not limited to those. But I want you to see the array of ways that God can begin to show you what he would have you to do with your life and serving him if you are open to desiring and asking to listen to what he wants to say to you. And sometimes, thank God, he does it even when we're not listening. A.K.A. Saul. <laughs> And he will get our attention. Far better to cooperate with him, though. So there is this call, and we, we see this verse. This is a fascinating verse to me. Go ahead and advance that slide. We read that, that for many are called, but few are chosen. Now, I'll give you what Bach's paraphrase of that is. God calls many of us to serve, but not everyone responds. And you can't choose the ones that don't show up. It's kind of like God has all of us standing up here. And God says, all right, I have called you all to serve me. Everyone take one step forward. And if you take a step back, they're not going to be chosen. God said, I got the message. You don't want to work with me. You don't want to cooperate with what I want to do. It's not saying he's going to punch you down. It's not going to mean, it doesn't mean he's necessarily going to take you out. But he's going to say, if you want to live there far less than what I want to do in you, I guess that's your choice. That's your choice. You can make that your lot in life. Settle for something down here. Man, I've got great stuff I want to do through you. But it's your choice. Many are called, but few are chosen. So let's talk a bit about how do we respond to the call of God. Folks, there are so many ways we can respond to the call of God, but I want to just home in on three of those this morning. The first one is what I would say is to embrace the call of God. Hit that next one. Embrace the call of God. No, it's not. Let's talk about run. <laughs> I'm just checking to see if you're with me on this, okay? So <laughs> I feel like running when I do that. So anyway, the first, the first response is, comes quite natural for us, and that is to run. Primary example of the course that would be, would be Jonah. God said to Jonah, hey, Jonah, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh and I want you to preach the word. And Jonah said, I'm going to go that way then. And you know what happened with Jonah. If you've read that story at all, if you've ever heard it, you've been around church, you've heard the story. Jonah, of course, 
he got the opportunity of having an all-expenses-paid, three-night stay in the belly of a great fish. God has his ways. So for three days and three nights, instead of going and doing what God wanted, God said, well, let's just have a little time out for you right now in the belly of a fish. At the end of that three days, the word says that, it didn't use this word, but basically says that fish upchucked him, vomited him up on the shore. Now, if God had told you to do something and you didn't do it, and he allowed you to dwell in the belly of that fish for three days, and then he basically puked you up on the shore, what would you do? I'd get a shower, first of all, right? But then I'd say, yes, Lord, I got the message, which is exactly what Jonah did. But there is this impulse in all of us that we have to recognize. It's fear-based. It's, it's based upon, not me, you, you, you think that's, Pastor Jonathan, he's good at that. He'll take care of that. And God is saying, I got stuff for him to do. I'm talking to you right now. I'm talking to you. And he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ask, think, or even imagine. The word says. So I'm not recommending this response to you. When, when the Lord says to do something, probably running is not the thing to do. Where do you go? I mean, where do you go to get away from God? Show me where that place is. He's there. He's omnipresent. He's already there. You get there and he's saying, hi, I've been looking for you. So that first response then is to run. The second response is, let's see what it says for the second response. Oh, yes. The second response is what I call being a wannabe. Now, here's what I describe as a wannabe. This is when there is a well-intentioned personal desire, an aspiration to serve God in a specific ministry, and someone would say, I'm going to do this because I believe this is what God wants me to do. But they are afraid to subject that to confirmation of witness by anybody else. It's kind of like, no, because I'm afraid it won't be true. This is what I've decided, though. I want to do this for God, and therefore God is calling me to it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, it's when we get ahead of God and try to decide for him. We read about the example of that with Simon the sorcerer. He was around the disciples are doing miracles, and he said, I want, I, I want to do the stuff like that. I, I, you know, I really want to do that. How much? How much to be able to, is it a course I take? Is there something I can do so I can, I can do these same kinds of things? And, and they were very unkind to him, I guess, in some respects. Your money perish with you, you know. This is something only God can do. So while we hunger to serve him, we can't trump up something. I had a good friend I grew up with in my hometown. Small town, um, uh, in an open Bible church and um, he was the last of several sons and his parents had always had a desire for one of their sons to be a preacher or an evangelist well number one, number two, number three it never happened the last son came along it's kind of like we've got to get this right okay. all of our hopes are upon the youngest and so it's just like they decided they love the Lord with all their hearts but they decided he's going to be an evangelist 
great evangelist. So they began going across the country, finding somebody to pray for him, and finally they found somebody who, in praying for him, said, I think God's called you to be an evangelist. Now, I don't know where that guy heard that. I don't know. But they kept working until they found someone to say what they wanted to say, okay? And so everything from that day forward was like promoting and pushing this young guy. He's going to be a great evangelist. I felt so sorry for him. He tried for so many years to live up to what mom and dad wanted him to be and what somebody once said in a prayer line and, and latched onto that as this is the only word. And don't ask anybody else for confirmation. Don't, don't check this out, but just go with it and run with it. He just kind of like got beat up by life because that was not the anointing. That was not the call upon him. It was a self-manufactured wannabe kind of thing. Well, I'm pleased to report to you that I don't know, I lost track of him for years, but today he owns his own electrical company. He's serving the Lord. I believe he's where God called him, okay? He's running this company, and it's his witness. He's using this to touch people for Jesus, and all the pressure is off. The pressure's on God to live up and do what he, to what he has asked him to do. So, so it's not a matter of how much training you get. We need training. It's not a matter of how many CEUs you get. We need continuing education because we want to improve ourselves. But those things in themselves do not substitute for the call of God upon our lives. So then there's the third type. You've heard about this type. It's called embrace. <laughs> em- embrace the call of God. And of course, a prime example of that is young Samuel, who didn't the word says the word of the Lord wasn't really very pronounced in those days. They were dark days. And yet Samuel, who was dwelling in the house of, of Eli, uh, a rather corrupt old man and his sons, heard God saying his name, Samuel, Samuel. And he, so he went to the old man and said, what does this mean? And the old man said, I think God's trying to speak to you. What you just need to do is say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Your servant is listening. And he went back, and when God called to him again, Samuel, Samuel, he said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You know, sometimes it's just not any more complicated than that. There's no better starting place. That if you think maybe God is saying something to you, I don't understand exactly what he's saying. Samuel didn't know what. God didn't tell him you're going to be this, you're going to be that, you're going to do all these things. He just simply said, Samuel, Yes, Lord, I believe in you. Whatever you want of me, I will do. And you see, we prefer to say, I need to know all the specifics first. Could you put this down in a job description? God's saying, will you just respond to me first of all? Let me tell you my story, the time that we have here. I, my testimony. I grew up in home. Do you? Have you all seen that program, Leave it to Beaver? I grew up like the beaver, only I didn't have Wally, an older brother. Okay, I mean an idyllic home life. I had two wonderful parents, my mother and father, both in heaven today. Love the Lord with all their hearts. They love me with all their heart. They love the, they love the church. They serve the church faithfully. Whenever the doors were open, they were there. They, they, loved, they were faithful to their jobs. They were faithful to their country. My dad served in Papua New Guinea in World War II. They were just like gold kind of people, a solid sort of people. 
Every pastor says, yes, send more. They, they, they were that kind of people. So I, I grew up in a wonderful home. And I knew all about the things of God. My first day home from the hospital, my first Sunday home from the hospital, I, wasn't, I don't remember, but I know where I was. Right in church. You know. And whenever there was church, we were there. I remember so many prayer meetings. My parents would come down and kneel down here, and I'd sit here. Are they ever going to get up? Because you see, I didn't know the Lord. I knew about God. I knew all the stories. I knew, in those days we used hymnals. Any of you know what a hymnal is? I mean, <laughs> are you that old with me? You know, <laughs> In those days we used hymnals. We didn't have anything new like this to use, which is wonderful. But I knew all the hymns. When they would say, when the song leader and a song leader in those days would go like this, Times have really changed. You know? And when the song leader would say, turn to page 111, I knew I didn't need to crack open the book. I knew we'd be singing, years and spent in vanity and pride, knowing not my Lord was crucified. For, and then go on and on. Like I just knew, I didn't need to look at I knew all four or five verses, sang them up, but I didn't know him in my heart. We had a church picnic. Church picnics are wonderful occasions. I went down to the river. I caught a fish with my hands. I was proud of that. Played baseball, basketball, volleyball. And then if you show this next picture slide for me, uh, at this, we had this uh, playground equipment, which incidentally, until just a few years ago, was still there. They made playground equipment to last. That's exactly the way it was when I was nine years of age. 20 years ago, when I was nine years of age. <laughs> Remember, I was a kid with your grandparents. Okay, so, and, and so I was having fun, a wonderful time, wonderful time playing. And my mother came, we had been sliding down that slide, and it was, instead of having gravel there, it was just dirt, and it was ground to this fine texture like powdered sugar. And you could grow up handfuls of that and throw that at one another. It was just wonderful. We just... And then with our sweat, we just turned to mud. You know, it's just great stuff, you know. And we were having a great time. My mother came over and said, come on, we're going to have church. Come on over to the shelter house, which as you look at that picture, it was just like over there somewhere. I thought, oh, great. What a way to ruin a great picnic. We're going to have church. Furthermore, I love my pastor. I love my pastor's wife. But furthermore, I knew it meant my pastor's wife would be playing an accordion. I would rather have had a root canal than listen to an accordion. I mean, any accordion players here, God has saved me since. I'm okay. But at that point, it was like, I just, and I knew that's what we'd be doing. So, so my mother went walking, knowing, confident I was coming right behind her, right? And I did it first. But then I did one of these things. Now, you got to know, first of all, I was normally a very compliant child. My parents would say that. I, I was normally a very compliant child, but I was not in a compliant mood that time. And so as they all went over to the shelter house, I walked over where my dad's car was, 55 Ford two-tone. <laughs> like to have that now. And I slid in the middle of that bench seat and sat down and kind of slid down and figured maybe I could just wait this one out. It had to have been a God thing because... My mother was the enforcer in our family. 
how I got by with this, it was a God thing. Normally she would have come and corralled me like that. I'm sitting here and they started singing songs with an accordion. I heard all of them. I was a little ticked off, frankly, that I had to ruin a good picnic sitting here doing church again. And they began singing a song that I had heard so many times. It was a song written by Audrey Meyer. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. He is the mighty King. Master of everything. His name is wonderful, Jesus, my Lord. And the Holy Spirit swept into that car in a dimension I had never experienced in my nine years of age. Remember, I knew all about him. I'd never experienced him before. I'm telling you, it was, you talk about a supernatural experience. This was the most powerful thing. The presence of Almighty God was with me in that car. I didn't know what to do with it. I just knew that he was there. And suddenly, this music was the most beautiful music I'd ever heard, even with an accordion. It was the most beautiful thing, and I began to weep. I began to weep uncontrollably. I became broken in my spirit and I didn't know what was happening except I just knew that God was there with me. God was in that car with me. The God I'd sung about but didn't know and suddenly he was there with me. I don't know how long that went on. I know the pastor preached. I have no recollection of what he said because I was still in this state of, I would just say, absolute euphoria. I was, I was being filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment. My parents came back to the car. It was time to leave. My dad slid in behind the wheel. Mom slid in over here, and here's their kid sitting here just looking like a mess. I mean, remember I had mud all over my face. Tears had been all, I've just, my tears were balled out, you know. My nose running. I was just an ugly mess. I'm still going, what do you do as a parent? What's wrong? Yeah, what's wrong? That's what they wanted to know. They asked me, what's wrong? So I my mother said that and then my dad said that and I couldn't hardly keep the words out I said I, I, I don't know what's happening it's just the music is so beautiful I, I don't know what's happening to me as I said my parents are in heaven now but I will always cherish the memory until the day that I'm there also my mother put her arm around me and said I've been praying for this day for a long time. Now, you see, I knew at that point that there was something different about me then. Not better than anybody else. It's just at that point, I knew that God was doing business with my life. Did I know exactly what I would be in doing? No, I was like Samuel at that point. I didn't know. But it was time for me to say, Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. I look back to age and I, in this whole journey of the call of God, I look back then and I know, I know that X marks the spot. 
That's when God began to reveal his will for my life and his first part of his will was for me to know him and acknowledge him and just say, God, you have your way in my life. That place is like hallowed ground to me. And there have been several critical junctures in my life, transition points when I was praying about God, what do you want me to do? I've driven back to that place. Now, not, not any false theology here. God can answer my prayers anywhere. But there's something about going back to that place that's special to me. And I've cried out to God, said, Lord, I need to know. What do you want me to do next with my life? I remember when you met me here and I dedicated my all to you. Show me, Lord, what you would have me to do. I so identify with what Jacob said. Jacob said, I read in Genesis 28, remember Jacob had defrauded, had uh, had co-conspired with his mother to defraud the blessing out of Esau, was running away for his life. And while he was on his way to stay with his uncle Laban for a while, it's where he had this dream. Remember this dream of angels ascending and descending on the ladder? That's inspirational enough, but what really struck me and what I identified with was what happened when he woke up. This is what Jacob said. Surely the Lord, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. Does that describe life oftentimes? God was there and you didn't even know it. God was with you when you thought you were alone. God was there. God had everything everything under control. And then he also said, the Lord will certainly be my God. So I bring this to a close this morning. Pastor Jonathan's going to come and I'll have an opportunity to ask you some questions a little bit later. A few years ago, I've served in leadership and open Bible for various capacities for a number of years. It's just God has opened those doors for me. It's not because I've sought them. And I remember uh, I was in a national board meeting and I was just at a point of reflecting and thanking God for what he'd done in my life. And I heard these words coming out of my mouth. I hadn't intellectually thought of them I had not rehearsed this. It was like I was hearing them for the first time. It was like a, like a prophetic sort of utterance. And I said this. It was my testimony to the Lord. I am so thankful that God has always placed me where my passions are naturally engaged. Or he has realigned my passions. I've got to serve where my passions are. God has made that clear. He will do that. So... We read in 1 Corinthians, Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. Folks, we see in part and we know in part, and I'm here today calling upon you, be faithful to the part that he's shown you. Be faithful. The word says you be faithful in the little things, and God will entrust you with other things then as well. But you've got to be faithful to what he shows you. It's not, it's not our option if we really love the Lord to say, ah, oh, oh, I don't think so. Be faithful to what he's revealed to you. I'm running behind, but I've got to say this to you. I've got to show this to you because I want to show you a snapshot of America. American Christians are different than almost any Christians around the world. Not always for the plus. We live in such an age, a culture of individualism. My way, I'll do it my way, and the rest of the world finds it much easier to submit to the will of the Lord. And uh, so it's, it's our culture. It's what we're stuck in in our culture. Here's an example of what I want to show you. If you flip to that next, next slide, my brother. 
The call of God. Here's how we look at the call of God. Give me another flip there on this. The call of God. Here's what we tend to do without even realizing it. Okay, God may be calling me, but uh, Lord, uh, let's make a deal. Okay? You see that box? That's my comfort zone. And I just want you to understand it, Lord. I know you love me, and so I know you'll listen to me. Anything inside that box, I'm willing to do. Okay? It's where I feel competent. It's where I'm most comfortable. Lord, you wouldn't want me to be where I'm not comfortable. You love me. You, you You wouldn't want me to get out. This is where I feel I'm just best attuned to this, Lord. So as long as it's inside that box, okay. Flip that slide. But if it's anywhere outside of that, please understand, I just have to say no. Okay? Um, and, you know, I can explain it to you more if you want to know, Lord, but I, this, I just can't do that. I have to stay inside that box. It's my comfort zone. Does this sound familiar to anyone? That's Americana right there. That's a piece of America and believers serving the Lord. And the Lord is saying to us in response, wow, all right, you want to dwell in there, you can. You'll never know what I wanted to do in you. I'm sure you're willing to settle for sticking inside some little dinky box. Go ahead, stay there. I love you. I love you. I'm not taking away your salvation. I'm not taking away your place in heaven. But wow, are you missing out on all I want to do. So this is what we really need to do with him. We need to take away all those no's. See where that box is? Get an eraser. Our place has to be just like Samuel. I don't know where you go with this, Lord. I don't know where you're going to take me, Lord. But the answer, without knowing it, because I submit you to you and I believe in you and I trust you, the answer is yes. What a challenge. That's good. Man, we need that. We need that. Um, just a few minutes, they're gonna, he's going to come back and uh, actually just give us an opportunity to respond to the call of God. And, uh, um, and I think he has some thoughts to share there. And um, just, like, just like normal, I'd like to take an offering for people at this, at this time. And um, if he has uh, blessed you, um, it's appropriate to bless him. And uh, um, don't feel compelled. Don't feel manipulated or anything. But uh, the ushers are going to come. I'm going to pray. And, um, and I think they've got some different ways that you can give on the screen. And so, Lord, right now, we just we thank you for what you're doing in Open Bible. We thank you for what you're doing in and through uh, President Randall and Barbara. And, Lord, I just ask that you would just bless them, bless their socks off, continue the ministry. And, and Lord, even as they encourage um, other people to respond to the call of God on their life, Lord, I thank you that they did. And, Lord, that they responded and um, Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to, to give, you can. The ushers are coming. And if you if you do checks, you can just write it out to Spirit of Life Church and just put uh, um, Randall in the memo, and we'll, and we'll get that to them.
today and that has to be as the Lord leads you I've been in many a service myself where the Holy Spirit was responding to me or dealing with me and I had to make a choice in how to respond to him I am not here for any trick signups for anything okay I don't try to hurt people into anything I I'm not a shoehorner I don't try to force anyone into a mold my job is to challenge you to respond to what he's saying to you to do. And sometimes it may be only to say, Lord, I want you to have your way in my life. Maybe you've done this before, but there's a reaffirmation of that. And I'm going to ask you today, you feel like the Lord is saying something fresh to you. I'm going to invite you to just come up here and there'll be people who would be ready to pray with you. I'd be happy to pray with you also. If if God's call upon your life is already crystal clear and you're faithfully pursuing that, I rejoice with you. I just want your life to count for here for him. If you if you're unsure, you're, you're you're not absolutely sure what God is saying, or you don't have a clue, and you just need clarity of direction, God's heart responds to you by saying, Lord, here I am. Just show me. Whatever the next thing is you would have me to do. God may be asking you to just embrace him in a fresh way. Lord, I'm here just because I'm here. I love you. Show me what you would have me to do with my life. I'm here today to challenge you to put God at the center of everything of your life and not at the periphery, okay? As they sing this song again, I just invite you to come and I know there'd be people who'd be happy to pray with you. Praise will be my song. 